Well, Heather, here we are, episode number two. Yay, so exciting. How are you doing? So good. You have written my programming for a couple of years now, and one of the things that is on your check-in form is this question that I've always loved, and it says, you ask, tell me something good. So, um, and it's one of my most favorite questions you have on there. Why did you include that question on the check-in form? I found that when clients check in, it tends to be more of like, what did I do wrong? This like kind of a negative connotation that happens with the check-ins of things that you need to improve on going into the next week. And I think that's good to be introspective and think, okay, well, what are some things I can improve mom? But at the same time, I wanted my clients to be empowered with things that they have done good. And so it's like, well, what is something good that's happened this week? And it doesn't even have to be fitness related. Like, let's just focus on something positive because we're always going to have wins. And sometimes it takes a minute for us to look and see what they are. But once we get in that habit, then it, it becomes a little bit easier and we can find ways to, you know, experience gratitude and be proud of ourselves and realize that even though we are working on this self-improvement, that there's things that we're doing and that we're experiencing in life that are great. Yeah. I, I've always, it always gave me a chance to pause and reflect on the good things. And I, I do think that there's a really a lot of power in the way that we view life and um, to be able to find good I think you can find good in most things and it really, um, it really has helped me. So, um, that being said, I'm going to turn the tables on you now and I, I'm going to ask you, Val, tell me something good. I love it. I love this so much. So I want to talk about something that's not fitness related and that's that my son is running for SBO and for, so that stands for student body officer for anybody that doesn't know. And so that's kind of an exciting thing that we're doing in our house. We got some posters made and then some pencils that he could pass around. And it's so funny because I think I'm more excited than he is, but it's just fun to see, you know, to see your kids uh, do things that they love and go out of their comfort zone like this. Right. I was going to say, I think it's the helping kids learn how to be a little uncomfortable because as we both know, you know, putting yourself out there can be a little bit scary Yeah, and it's great to be able to learn some mental um, resilience at such a young age. And I think those are great opportunities to do that. So I love that. I, how exciting for him. We'll have to keep us posted on how it goes. Yeah, for sure. So Heather, what about you? Tell, tell all of us something good. <laughs> okay. Well, mine's like a little, a little, um, I don't know. It's a little more frivolous, I suppose. My something good is that I'm going to go get my hair cut and colored today. Oh, that's the best. <laughs> and I have been with my hairstylist for, I think like maybe 15 years. And she's just, it's like a, a friend therapy session. And also I get to just sit for a couple of hours and relax. It's like a forced rest. Um, And I realized after I've had such a busy week that I thought, oh, this is going to be so nice just to take a little break and enjoy myself and um, not think about anything else for a while. And, And so, yeah, that's my something good. And I think we all need that sometimes. I love it. And then when you leave the salon with like the fresh shine and the dew, like you, 
that you can't duplicate. I don't know what they do when they're I, there. Yes. <laughs> I don't know either, but I feel like, like just like a beautiful stallion with like a beautiful mane <laughs> of hair and I just swoosh it around and then it's gone once I wash it and it's never looks the same again, but until I go back. <laughs> Yes. Well, that's awesome. That will be so nice. That'll be a nice Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, what are we talking about today, Val? So we're going to talk about metabolism. We'll get a little bit into what it is. We won't deep dive into like the cellular physiology of things. Um, but some of the claims that we that we can see sometimes on social media or the internet about hacking your metabolism and then what we can actually do. What are some realistic things that we can do to improve our overall quality of life not not hacking we're not going to be doing any hacking here <laughs> it requires a lot of hard work so that's kind of what we're going to discuss today and i like that we came across this topic because last week i was having like a little moment on my instagram stories and heather you you jumped in yes Ooh. i well i heard you talking about you know the hack your metabolism starter pack and i I messaged you and I was like, Val, we need to talk about this on the podcast because it's just so interesting. And I think a lot of people think they can actually hack their metabolism. Um, and in a way, I guess you can, but not in the way that they think they can. I think that was the point that you were trying to get across in your stories. And I thought you did it really well. Oh, thank you. Yeah, because every we tend in fitness to want to find the quick fix. It seems like that's what people, you know, really like to go for. And the reality is the quick fix, if it, if it works for you one time, it's probably not going to work for you again because it was a quick fix. <laughs> type mm -hmm. of thing. And it's so, not sustainable. Yes. And so this will be a fun topic that we're going to dive into right here. How would you briefly describe what metabolism is to people? Because I think people throw that word around a lot, and I don't know that everyone fully understands what it means. Yeah, very simply, it's the process by which your body changes food and drink into energy. Sometimes, like, and there's things that contribute to that that um, can make people feel like their metabolism's slow or metabolism's fast. Because we, we always heard that growing up, right? There was always like somebody that was a little heavier or somebody that was really thin. And you're and I remember always hearing my mom say, oh, they just have a slow metabolism or they have a fast metabolism. I mean, lots of people said that. And I remember thinking like, what does that mean? What does it mean someone has a slow metabolism, someone has a fast metabolism? Actually, our metabolism isn't like a set point. It's not static. It's actually always shifting and moving depending on, you know, what is going on, what, what kind of energy we're taking in, what kind of energy we're putting out, how we're taking care of our body, what types of foods we're eating. There's actually a lot that goes in to the rate of our metabolism. And, and I, I think we oversimplify it by saying they have a slow metabolism, they have a fast metabolism, or it also makes it feel as if you can't do anything about it. Yes it's like changing all the time. So our metabolism is, it's always adapting. And so, mm -hmm. and it adapts based on what we're doing, the results of our lifestyle, our food choices, our exercise choices, how we're, you know, managing stress and all those things. 
And sometimes people say another thing, we hear the terms fast and slow metabolism, but sometimes we hear like my metabolism, it's broken. Yes. <laughs> and yeah, or it's a damaged metabolism. And mm -hmm. it's like, no, it's not damaged. It's just your body is working in the way that it should based on the current choices that you're making. That's what right. It, that's right. what it comes down to. Yes. The fact of the matter is our metabolism is always trying to find homeostasis, right? It's always trying to just kind of get us in a in a steady place. And so, you know, when we change um, some sort of uh, variable in our diet or exercise, our metabolism is trying to adapt to that. So it will adapt based on our choices, whether they're good or bad. And the main point of our metabolism, th the main function or main purpose is survival. And so it's going to adapt. If you're in a calorie deficit, it's going to slow down because you're not giving it enough energy. And that doesn't mean that your body's broken, that something's broken. That means that given the current state you're in, this is what is happening naturally. This is the, the effect of what you're doing at this time. Your body is doing what it is um, designed to do when you go into a calorie deficit. Precisely. Um, your, your body is, your metabolism is going to adapt to that um, because it's trying to keep you alive. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. And then what are like what are some of the hacks that you've seen okay. <laughs> so this cracked me up because i don't know i guess i've never been very susceptible to the idea of like hacking your metabolism so i've never really looked into how one might hack their metabolism <laughs> and so just a quick google search um, I was kind of appalled at the information that was out there and the thing, the products, the ideas that were being offered for people to hack their metabolism. Yeah. And, uh, and I was just, I was like, this is just really sad. Some of the articles that I pulled up, 13 ways to hack your metabolism um, for high metabolism this summer. Um, can this device really hack your metabolism? Like it's that Lumen device where you like blow into the thing and it tells you the state of your metabolism and what you need to do to hack it. Six metabolism boost hacks for anyone over 40, which I'm like, come on guys, like stop trying to like, so I'm trying to like get the target. over 40 crowds. Yeah. yeah old people, Targeting um, you know, how to stoke the metabolic fire, magical metabolism reset, like all of these catchy little marketing terms. And then I was looking in, some of them had some pretty reasonable suggestions of what you could do, which I didn't fully disagree with. Um, but I did disagree with how quickly they were promising change. And then also some of them were just crazy. Like, um, I don't know, that feel, feels a little nuts, like cayenne pepper on everything and cinnamon and cold plunges and green tea. And I'm like, that's fine. If you want to have cayenne, cold plunges, green tea, they're not bad for you, but they're not going to be the magic solution to, to fix everything and, and in a short period of time. So I think that was the, th the thing that appalled me a little. I thought, oh no, no wonder people are so confused. Yeah, and you notice too with those type of things, cause I, I too have seen lots of like, drink more tea, there's a lot of that. And, and so that's something where people are like, oh yeah, that doesn't require a lot of effort. I can, you know, I'll have a glass of green tea or I'll sprinkle my cayenne pepper on three meals a day. 
but though that's like that's like maybe something you would add on at like the very tip like you got to work from the bottom up and you don't just think that oh yeah if i start drinking tea that's well it i think we talk about this a little bit um with supplements right i mean you and i are both fans of supplements but we know that taking vitamins and various other supplements aren't going to be the thing that's going to um, elicit the biggest change for us, yeah. right? It is like literally the sprinkles on top. It's the little minute things that really make up a very small portion of our overall health. And so when people are trying to put out a fire with like a little garden hose. That's what it feels like to me, like sprinkling the cayenne pepper on something. It really is not going to bring you the changes that you are after. It's, it's not enough. Yes. It's not enough at all. And this reminds me of when I first hired a coach back in 2016 and I went from essentially doing nothing my youngest at the time, he was just 14 months old. And I, so I went from doing nothing. I wasn't tracking food. I didn't really understand nutrition or anything like that. And, you know, this first coach gave me a meal plan. So it was all whole foods. I was cooking all the food from home. He had me training six days a week, which was, that's a lot. <laughs> I would yeah. recommend six days a week. And then I was doing cardio. So I went from basically nothing. I was, you know, busy with my little kids and stuff, but eating my peanut butter sandwiches, having my chips, it was like my regular, you know, going to Chick-fil-A, just all the things that I did um, on a regular basis then. And then switching, like it was just a complete 180. And, and I just remember going, I am eating so much more food and I'm losing all this weight. And it's, it was one of those that at the time I didn't understand the hack your metabolism. I've never heard anything about it, but in my head, I was like, why isn't everybody doing this? <laughs> <laughs> right. This well, so you, you implemented all of these pretty major changes and you were seeing really probably pretty quick results as a, and which is, which is another encouraging thing that our metabolism responds really positively when we, we treat our body really well. Yeah. And it's, so it's like, you know, I probably wasn't eating very much food to begin with. I don't really know. Cause I didn't track my food. Um, but I went from eating like nothing to being able to eat more food mm -hmm. fairly quickly. And so some people might make these claims of, you know, I went from eating 1700 calories and then my coach, my coach, I, I got on this plan with my coach and now I'm eating 500 calories more a day. But it's like, what, what habits and lifestyle changes did you make that contributed to that? And so like, for me, I, I was moving more. I was exercising. I was eating more whole foods and eating more protein. Like these were things that he was making me, you know, he's like, make sure you're staying hydrated and getting your electrolytes. So they were these little things that were like actually major things to be honest, because it was like lifestyle changes. This is how I was able to start eating more food. It wasn't from just some magical green tea or a special workout. So what you're saying is when people, because that's a, I'm glad you brought up that point. 
you'll see a lot of times people saying, well, I, I'm eating more food and that's how I'm able to lose weight. And I think that's really confusing for people oh, because so confusing. I think it leaves out a lot of context. And you brought up the point, we don't know what they were doing before. We don't know the quality of their nutrition. You know, we don't know any other lifestyle changes they've made, but they're making this one blanket claim, I'm eating more food and now I'm losing weight. And then other people go and say, well, my metabolism must be broken. I need to eat more food and then I will lose weight. And I don't think that works for most people because they may be eating more food, but it might not be good quality food. And so you brought up another point too, that you went from eating maybe not a lot of food, but it didn't sound like it was very nutrient dense food. Yes, correct. Going to that, eating more food, which might've been maybe even less calories than you were eating before, but you had a higher volume of uh, nutrient dense foods and you were adding in activity and you know you were yeah. adding in strength training. And so you were doing all of these things to, and which resulted in probably fat loss and muscle gain and all of those things that help to improve your metabolism. So, um, yeah, I think that's really interesting. I think we have to be really careful when we see people saying, I'm eating more food now and I'm losing weight. And you have to look at the context. What happened? What did they change? It kind of makes people feel like, okay, well, if they're eating that much food, like why can't I eat as much food as they can? You know, mm -hmm. we're, the, we're the same height, we're the same age, but it, it that's going to a whole thing of, you know, the comparison game. And you just really got to focus on yourself because we we get these, these certain data points and these research um, papers that come out and they give us good averages of things that we can look at in regard to our own personal health and uh, metabolic rate and things like that. But at the end of the day, we're all very unique and so saying, you know, everybody should be eating 2000 calories or you're not healthy or your metabolism's broken from personal experience, that's just simply not, not the case, you know? No. And, and I think you bring up a valuable point. I think sometimes that comparison game can be really dangerous because I don't think that we're ever, we can ever fairly compare ourselves to anyone else because we are not the same people. Um, yeah. And even if you have the same maybe but similar body type, similar height and weight, you're still not the same person. We all have different genetics and a different past. And actually it brings up a great quote I found um, in Sam Miller's Metabolism Made Simple. And he said, we each have a metabolic fingerprint characterized by our past choices. Yes. And I loved that because, you know, there's a lot of history that goes into our genetic makeup and that will um, impact our, our current state of health. And we can't really fairly compare our past choices, our metabolic history with somebody else's. We cannot see that. And so it's not fair to compare and it's not fair to look at somebody else and what they're eating and say, well, I should be able to eat that too. You're just not the same person. Yeah, not the same person at all. And something that you mentioned before we started this was, Sometimes you'll say to your clients that it takes five years to walk into the woods. Yeah. Or if, if it takes five years to walk into the woods, then it will take five years or more <laughs> to or walk more. out of the woods, depending on your choices that you made. And 
Um, they don't like that quote. And I, I hate, I hate, I sometimes hate saying it, but I also think setting, I think it's a kindness to set clear expectations for other people and, and also most importantly for yourself. And that doesn't mean, you know, there's not hope, but I think you need to be realistic with, you know, the choices that you've made in your history and how long it might take to make changes. Um, and I thought you, I, I loved how you added upon that. Cause I said, you know, it takes five years to walk into the woods. It will take you five years to walk out. And you said, sometimes we even get lost in the woods. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I laughed because I thought, oh, that's the truth. So it may take longer to walk out than the five years that it took to walk in. You're just wandering around the woods. <laughs> yeah. And cause you know, I'm sure you get this too. Like we get clients that come to us and they've been dieting for a long time and Maybe they even were dieting so hard that they actually have, they started gaining weight for one reason or another. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so that is where, you know, the body is sending up red flags, like, stop, we, we need to make some adjustments. And so when you get clients in those type of states, it takes time, it takes, mm -hmm. you know, recovery and those type of things and being able to manage those expectations and, you know, make realistic goals for them that they can work toward makes a big difference because everybody wants, you know, they want the six to 12 month fix everything plan. We all want the quick fix. But if, again, if it's taken you a couple years to get to the point you're at, or if you have a history of, um, you know, binging and purging, like there's a lot of things that go into it that it takes, it will take you um, more time than you prob than you want, and then that you probably realize to get out. And so it's a matter of giving yourself grace through the through the experience and realizing that you can move forward and improve your quality of life. And what you've done in the past doesn't define your future either. Yeah, I love that. I think that that's a really positive way to look at things. Um, I also think it's really, I think sometimes, you know, we, we brought, you brought up the, the example of people, you know, like in being re in really destructive behaviors, like binging and purging and things like that. But, um, I think people even need to realistically look at, um, other habits that maybe are pretty well accepted, like poor sleep habits. I and mean, we are going to get into all of that, but like, there's like, little minor things like nutri nutrient dense foods and sleep habits and stress management that play huge parts into all of this. And I think people think, well, that's how I function and don't realize the damage that it is doing to them at a cellular level. Um, yeah. And so, but I think this is a good transition to talk about how you actually can really hack your metabolism, the hack your metabolism starter pack. <laughs> and the, some of the things that we can really focus on that are going to uh, bring sustainable change, they're going to take time. There's going to be some trudging out of the woods for a period of time, but are the things that will really bring the sustainable changes that are going to just bring really a lot of joy and happiness because it is going to give you your healthiest self. So, um, Val, what, what would you say your top, what's your top hack 
for your metabolism? Like your, your number one, you would tell people to start working on first. Oh my gosh. The number one, I really, I like all of them. <laughs> I know. I like all of them too. I, I didn't even tell you I was going to ask you this question. So I'm putting you on the spot. Like, but what's your go-to like with your clients, when you're seeing that they're really struggling, what's the thing that you actually focus on, like hone in with them first thing? Well, okay. So all of them are really good, but some of, some of these, um, ways, these lifestyle changes or habits take longer to see the results. And some of them you can get, um, quicker, like quicker results. Like it's easier to do. And so if you want to get the buy-in from the client or even, you know, for yourself, if you're not working with a coach, I think that the like sleep prioritizing sleep makes a huge impact and that's something where within just the first few weeks of um focusing on a sleep sleep hygiene um or a sleep routine Mm -hmm. you're gonna see some incredible effects like right out of the gate and so i i think that is such a great one to work on and that's actually one I'm working on with my um, with my group clients right now, and I'm I've seen some positive changes for them in just even this last month. Um, and like sleep is just important because it helps you with recovery from your workouts. It improves your insulin sensitivity. It's essential for hormone production, appetite regulation. That's a big one. It really does help with your appetite regulation, um, and just makes you just. A happier person in general (laughs) it really does when you get that quality sleep and I know there's lots of you know like I use an aura ring there's like lots of different things that you can use to help track your sleep and those can be really helpful you also need to be confident and relying on yourself too because sometimes with those data trackers and things you know if it says oh you need a recovery day your resting heart rate took a little bit longer to lower or whatever. It's like, well, do you, I don't know. I like, don't just rely on the data. Like, how do you really feel? (laughs) Well, I actually think that you bring up a really good point there because I, and I I just want to touch on this briefly. I've been thinking about the fact that people don't really know how to, um, they don't understand how they feel. Like they, they don't, they don't give them, they don't really trust themselves to say, I have the energy I need to go and work out, or I really feel depleted. I need to take a rest day. They instead look at the number, like whatever their aura ring brought up or whatever their Apple watch said is you need a rest day. And you're like, well, I actually feel great. And so I think sometimes we're not quite as fragile as we think we are. Um, but mostly, and, and sometimes we do need the rest, Yes. but, but getting better at being a little more intuitive with yourself, like, oh, I, I really need this or I don't need this. I don't need my coach to tell me I need a rest day. I don't need the aura ring to tell me I need a rest day. I need to decide I need a rest day. And I think we know when we're making that choice from a place of strength or a place of like shame or guilt, you know, I think you just maybe think think a little bit deeper about the decisions you're making for your body and don't always, you don't get better at not always relying on outside sources to tell you what's the best thing for you. Yeah. Learning to trust yourself. Yeah. I, I think that's pretty big, but yes, yeah, sleep, sleep is a big one. You'll see results, um, positive changes quickly with sleep. Um, 
Another one is stress management. Mm. That is huge. Oh, yes. Huge. Um, And that is the thing as like a coach, I can't control your outside stressors. Um, And stress affects our digestion. It affects, I mean, our cortisol levels. Um, and when we have increased cortisol levels, it kind of, it mobilizes the energy stores of our body. Um, it's like this fight or flight response. And so that really can have an impact on your cellular health, your metabolism. You know, if you need to go see a therapist and work, do mindset work, you know, say no to things sometimes, you know, take a rest day, take a bath before you go to bed, you know, just do things that will help you just manage that stress. We can't, like, we don't live in a bubble. Like we do need a certain amount of stress in our lives. That's like, it's inevitable and we need that. And I, I remember hearing the stress bucket analogy. I don't ever, I don't know if you've ever imagined Mm -mm. stress in a bucket and there so when you imagine the things in your life that are stressful um you know it's going to be work you got your relationships finances there's these like if you have children it's you know there's stuff with your kids that could cause a certain level of stress then you also have strength training like strength training is a stress and if your little stress bucket is like overflowing with all these other things that you don't really have a whole lot of control on, one thing that's really easy to pull back on is your training. Like that's a very easy thing to pull back on so we can get you more in that parasympathetic state or that rest and digest state more often than not because we want to be in that recoverability state. Again, more often than not, if if we're constantly in this fight or flight state, it, it can cause all sorts of issues. That's where we get, you know, the overstress, the cortisol stuff, the inflammatory um, responses that happen on a cellular level and things like that. And so that management, if you like imagine, you could use whatever you want, but I just remember it was Alan Crest who talked about like the stress bucket. And so if you just have that analogy in your head of like, what are things that I can't control and what are things that I can control to manage my stress and then go go from there, then that really helps um, with, you, you know, metabolism and your body being able to run more efficiently. I think we could spend a whole episode just on this. And I think we will at some point because <laughs> I have so many more things about this that I want to talk about. But stress management, that is something that really does have an impact on your metabolism. And I think that's something people don't fully recognize. You gave some great examples and some of them, you know, could require more time and some of them could be super easy, like the brain dumping at the end of the night, you just get out a little notepad Mm -hmm. and just write down all the things you're worried about. And then you can kind of sort through like, what can I control? What can I control? And you just leave it there so you can get, you know, so you can get your quality sleep. Um, Gratitude journaling. There's, you know, there's the baths, like you mentioned, and, you know, taking a walk and getting sunshine. So there's just, there's lots of easy, easy type of things, but it's usually the easier things that are harder to do because they are so easy that you're like, ah, you know, I can, I can do that later. And then sure enough, three weeks later, you're like, I haven't even done anything. Yeah. Don't discount the power of sunshine, 
of a, a call with a friend. There really are very easy ways to relieve your stress um, throughout the day. Um, so focus on the easy things first, really. Yes. And so, yeah, I think that's great. What's another one, Val? What's another hack your metabolism? A another one is nutrition. Mm -hmm. Nutrition is, is a huge component. And being able to eat more whole foods versus processed foods, not saying to eliminate processed foods, that's an important, right. uh, important thing. But eating more whole foods is significantly, significantly going to impact your overall health. And also prioritizing protein. Um, but when we think about f what food is meant to do, it's meant to nourish our cells. So when you think about it that way, like what am I putting in my body to nourish my cells? You might pick different types of food when you're thinking about foods that would nourish your cells. Um, and I think you're right. I think, you know, there's always, you can always make room for a little treat but not every day is a party, right? And yes. you can still actually really enjoy. I mean, I actually find whole, mostly whole foods, um, such a happier place to to be eating wise. Like my my digestion's better. I feel fuller longer. Um, I my recovery's better. I mean, it's just nutrition is really. I mean, it's, it's pretty high up there on hacking your metabolism. Yeah, so. it makes you feel, it really does make you feel so much better. All right. So another thing that you can do to hack your metabolism is strength training. That's one of our favorites. Oh, the best. It's so fun. It is the best. So how does, Val, how does strength training improve our metabolism? Well, when you got like skeletal muscle on your body, it requires more energy in order for you to maintain that. And so that can actually allow you to increase your energy output a little bit more as a result, which means that you can eat a little bit more. Another benefit of strength training is that it helps increase bone density and health and longevity over, over the, the span of your life. And so there's just so many benefits that come from strength training. I remember taking a course from a NASM instructor um, for like a NASM certification. And he was in his 70s and he was a runner, but he said so many times throughout the course that strength training was the fountain of youth. He kept saying, you know, I would not be able to run these half marathons if I was not strength training. So that's, he's like, that's the foundation that everybody needs, no matter what their age. My parents are both in their seventies and they strength train like every day. And my dad, he had his first heart attack when he was 50, oh, man. really young. And yeah. so, and it's runs in my family. And he always said, you know, I, the wolf is at my door and I have to do everything to keep it away. Wow. And so he has really always focused on movement and strength training and they look fantastic my parents look fantastic That's awesome. they have mobility they can take care of their grandkids i mean they you know it's it's like amazing to see like biceps on my cute little 70 year old mother you oh, know and yeah. <laughs> like little quads I mean, she's this like tiny little thing with like all these little muscles and stuff we went to mexico and she was rocking her little swimsuit and <laughs> and it's just it but but 
besides aesthetically looking muscle looks great on your body aesthetically, but you're right. It is the fountain of youth. Yeah. Um, and then daily movement, like, right. I think we have learned, especially after the last couple of years that sitting all day long, I mean, I actually think COVID was a great, um, a great experiment at showing how your metabolism adapts and not in a positive way. It was like this, our society as a whole stopped moving and started eating more. And guess what happened? <laughs> Everybody started gaining weight, including myself, you know? And, um, and I thought, you know, we got a couple months into this and I was like, oh my goodness, I've got to go do something. And so I started going out on daily walks and I went from hardly any steps to getting like 10, 12, 13, 14,000 steps a day because I had to get out of the house away from my kids while they were doing all of their their in-home learning. But um, <laughs> But it had a very positive effect on the fact that I was moving more, right? I was moving more. I was expending more energy. Um, people just sit at their desks and sit all day long. I often will tell people like, get up, you know, once every hour and just like make some laps around your house. Like get up and walk around the block, you know, just move. You know, science tells us too, it's like 50 to 70 minutes of walking three times a week will lower our visceral fat. That's like the fat around our organs. We don't want visceral fat, you know, abdominal fat and improved glucose, inflammatory response. Um, so, I mean, there's so many reasons to do it. Um, I really do think walking and strength training and nutrition are the fountain of youth for sure. I mean, all of these really are, but if you want some quick, quick impact, I mean, those are some places to get it. Just start small. You don't need to just um, 180 your life. Just take it one little baby step at a time, and that's going to build those sustainable habits that will last you for life, and you'll find that your quality of life will improve. Make sure that it's sustainable and it's process-focused, right? Like think about things that you can do to improve your process. And even Val and I have been doing this for a really long time. We are continually refining our process. We're still finding things to help improve, dialing those things in all the time. And I hope to always be doing that, right? I always want to continue to find ways to improve my health because the bottom line is, is that if you value yourself, um, then you should value your body and it deserves to be taken care of because you're worth it. So, um, just try some of those things. Don't fall for the quick fixes. You're not broken. You can totally do this. Um, and just, yeah, good luck. Yes. Hack that metabolism. That's right. Hack it the realistic way. <laughs> the realistic way. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't know how to close. Well, I think we'll get used to it as we go. <laughs> yeah. How do we close? Um, that's all for this episode of Training Age. If you'd like to learn more about the podcast, find us at trainingage.com or on Instagram at trainingage. If you're interested in working with either Val or myself, you can find links to our coaching services there as well. Thanks for listening. 